Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Look, I know you want to get to the podcast. I'm going to keep this short. When it comes to opera, we're the only ones bringing you everything you need to know about the art form, the people, and the stories you know, we every haven't damn done a roundup week. of other podcasts about opera late, lately. Uh, we, we, know mean, we, we love Aria Code, but there are other shows out there. There's like Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, or Opera, Drugs, and Rock, is that what it's called? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but there are other people out there. So we don't know if, if other people are bringing people the stories they need to know every week. These are other really great yeah. opera podcasts for me to poop on. <laughs> hey, check it out. Five bucks buys an ad on social media. Ten bucks covers our website for a month. Twenty bucks makes a hundred lapel pins. So if you haven't seen our ads on social media, it's because we don't have five bucks. Or maybe five bucks isn't enough to cover our ads on social media or maybe we need to learn how to build the audience for those things look you know? 20 bucks that's enough to l- buy a face mask for our whole team so they don't catch coronavirus we can share the mask yeah that is not gonna work <laughs> yes right. the can- mask is not even gonna work we're all doomed the olympics are canceled thank mm. you matt cummings look don't think you can give oh yes you can simply review us on apple podcasts share our facebook posts or just retweet okay. us it. and tell people hey i like this podcast and that guy oliver here he's Most of all, keep listening to America's Talk Radio Show about opera. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, welcome to America's Talk Radio Show about opera, period. Live in the Lakeside studio on WNUR 89.3 FM in HD1, Evanston, Chicago. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, doing kind of a solo show tonight, actually. I am the only one here in the Lakeside studio. And can I tell you just how marvelous it is to finally be rid of all my colleagues? I mean, look, I love them, but the real dream of the sports talk radio host which is what our show is modeled on. The real dream is to kind of be all by yourself in the studio. All right, tonight, OBS crew taking social distancing a little too literally. Just me here, but guess what? They're all going to call in with their own personal stories as to how the coronavirus is affecting them as artists in opera. We're going to take a deep dive into many different topics that are all synthesizing around what we know and love so much opera of course no sports to talk of because there are no sports we should be filling out brackets for march madness right now we should be dreaming about spring training right now we don't have to think about the bears Thank God. The Bears are doing trades. We don't need to worry about the Bears right now. But, you know, when everything was going down last week, I'm going to be honest with you. When everything was going down last week, I was like, okay, universities are moving to online classes. Okay, I think something's happening. Then the NBA went on hiatus. And then the NHL went on pause. And then March Madness was going to do its games without fans. And then they weren't doing them. And I was like, yeah, okay. I I get it. I get it. This is real. So glad you're hanging out with us tonight on Opera Box Score. The show is going on. You can always give us a call, of course. Number in the studio, 847-866-WNUR. Give us your hot take on opera stories. Give us your hot take on what you're feeling 
right now, not in terms of your health. What's your feeling about how opera is intersecting with this pandemic? And we're going to do something a little different tonight. We're actually going to start our show with Two Minute Drill. This just in, the Two Minute Drill. All right, listen up. Here's everything you need to know about what happened in opera over the past week. Very late to the game, the Royal Opera House and English National Opera announced earlier today that they're closing until further notice. That's all we know so far about that. Lyric Opera of Chicago has announced that the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago have encouraged community events of 250 people or more should be canceled until May 1st. Quote, this accompanies the time period of our long-planned and highly anticipated ring cycle. We have no option but to cancel all three cycles. We are heartbroken. Having canceled all performances through March 31st, Metropolitan Opera is tapping its strategic opera reserves to keep the nation's opera levels high. That's a quote from Slate.com. Met's going to be streaming its HD performances for free, one per day, for the duration of the closure. Part of that would be the PBS series Great Performances at the Met continues Sunday, April 5, 12 p.m. with a highly anticipated television broadcast of Philip Glass's Akhenaten, starring friend of the show Anthony Roth Costanzo. Check your local listings. Upper Philadelphia returning to the stage on Friday, April 24 with five performances of Madame Butterfly. In the meantime, they're offering an audio recording of a live performance of Missy Mazzoli and Royce Vavrek's Breaking the Waves from 2016. That's on their website. Opera Wire has been keeping a running tally of European opera companies closing in response to coronavirus. We have a whole map listing those dozens of companies on our website, operaboxscore.com. Opera San Jose has announced an Artists and Musicians Relief Fund, an emergency cash reserve that the company will draw from in the months ahead to provide support for musicians, singers, carpenters, stitchers, designers, and the other hourly company members that make their productions possible and will deeply affected by COVID-19. A video of quarantined Italians singing to each other across deserted streets from their windows, balconies, and doorways during the coronavirus lockdown is beautiful and haunting. A link to that on our website. The Bavarian State Opera announced its 2021 season this morning. It's the last under general manager Nicholas Bachler and chief conductor Kirill Petrenko. I'm not sure if anyone is paying attention to that just right this second. Hours after Hollywood star Tom Hanks shared a statement Wednesday that he and his wife, actress Rita Wilson, had tested positive for coronavirus while in Australia. A spokesperson for the City Opera House told CNN that the venue would be undergoing disinfecting measures because Wilson performed there on Saturday. Exit stage left. Singers are lamenting the death of Luca Targetti, the former casting director at La Scala, who has died from a likely coronavirus-related illness. Also, the innovative architect Vittorio Gregotti, who designed the Archimboldi Opera Theater that was used when La Scala was being renovated, has also died from the virus. He was 92. Anton Coppola, who appeared in the children's chorus for the 1926 American premiere of Puccini's Uncompleted Turndot, conducted his own ending to the work some nine decades later. In between, had one of the longest careers as a maestro in modern times. He died Last Monday, March 9, in Manhattan, 102. And on this day, March 16, it's the anniversary of the birth of Italian baritone Paolo Montesolo, who was born in 1925. We also celebrate the birthdays of two legendary singers. German mezzo Christo Ludwig turns 92 today. Spanish mezzo Teresa Braganza turns 85. 
March 16th is also the first performance of Handel's dramatic oratorio Theodora, which was at Covent Garden in 1750. It's the first performance of Bellini's Beatrice de Tenda. That was at uh, Fenice in 1833 in Venice. Jules Massenet's Thais in Paris premiered in 1894. And the Czech composer Buloslav Martinu's opera Giulietta premiered in Prague in 1938. That is your two-minute drill. Opera class. Sports radio crass. This is Opera Box Score. And thanks for hanging out with us tonight on Opera Box Score. George Cedarquist with you doing the solo show. My colleagues from around Chicago scheduled to call in throughout the evening. And I'm going to go to the phone lines right away. Actually, see if I can get Oliver Camacho on the line. Able to be in the studio with you last no, I'm, week. I'm able to be in the studio, honestly. Actually, I'm very healthy and I've been going to work. Uh, but I feel like I need to limit my exposure. And you are very brave, my friend, because there have been two cases at Northwestern University of COVID. So um, no need to put myself uh, at risk because I have parents who are in the sort of at-risk age, and I intend to see them. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know what? We're, we all intersect with this moment in so many different ways. And uh, as we were talking about, you know, before the show uh, this afternoon, which is like everyone, I, I'm, we just need to meet people where they can be met physically, mentally, psychologically. What's on your mind right now, Oliver? Here we are kind of at the end of the first week of, of Corona. And what is, what's filling your head and your heart right now in terms of how opera is intersecting with this crisis? Well, I'll say that there were so many things that you read in the drill, so many things that were just aggregated. There was so much news this week about companies closing and making decisions to scrap, you know, world premieres, etc. And we, there's no way we can cover them all. And my man, as you keep talking, make sure that you're speaking right into your phone. I just want to make sure you're not on speaker. I am. I'm talking actually into earbuds. Fantastic. A yeah. little, little tough to hear you, so use that beautiful okay. diction uh, that you have. Let, let, let me switch methods. Is that any better? That's fantastic. Okay. So, um, yeah, as, you, as I was saying, that the news that we covered in Two Minute Drill, there were so many things that we didn't even cover carefully because there's just too much news. And that's breaking my heart. But there also has been some really wonderful things, such as Joyce Donato and Piotr Bachawa deciding to go on with performances of Berter, even if it meant performing just the scenes between the tenor and the mezzo in Joyce Donato's New York apartment with pianist uh, Harold Watkins, I think his name is, and harp, harpist Emmanuel Saison from the orchestra of the Met. And it was a very sweet little event. They live streamed it with their MacBook and on Facebook and on Instagram. And, um, you know, it was, I had my score and I was like, it was Sunday and I was feeling a little stir crazy. And it was just nice to like hear Piotr Bachawa sing that role. He sounds amazing in it. And I, I don't know, I was very touched by the gesture and I hope that none of them get sick as a result of being <laughs> in such close proximity. It's not a giant apartment. It was like, the four of them crammed into a kitchen, you know? Yeah, it's a New York apartment, right? So it's, Yeah. Yeah. Even Joyce Donato has a New York apartment. So 
Um, but I wanted to say, just we have a friend of the show. His name is Zach Finkelstein. And if you look back in our archives, you'll see that we interviewed him when he launched his blog called The Middle Class Artist. And uh, you can go to Middle Class Artist and just see, you know, how many posts he's posted since he began a couple months ago. But uh, his blog took off um, this month because of two posts that are available right now. One is the COVID-19 and the hidden consequences of force majeure, which he published on March 2nd and quickly became probably the most widely shared article amongst the singer community and even got the attention of Alex Ross, who referred to it in his article summarizing what's happening to the opera and classical world, classical music community. And then uh, just earlier this week, and, or a and, t- and ago, t- talk us talk us through the article super briefly. Obviously, we'll link to it on our website as well. Yeah, so we talked about it actually on the show. Uh, we talked about it. We discussed this article um, just a few weeks ago on Opera Box Score. So maybe you didn't listen to that episode, but um, Zach Zach Finkelstein basically is saying that a lot of artists have these contracts with their presenters that have a clause called the Force Majeure clause or the Act of God clause, which uh, alleviates the presenter of, from having to pay their artist if there is an act of God. So uh, a lot of these, you know, a lot of us sign these contracts because that's a standard contract. And thankfully, there are some organizations that are not, that are still paying their artists and ignoring that clause. But there are some who are using that clause to protect themselves from having to pay, you know, th- their liability to the artists. And that is what I'm. That is my next point. Is that on March 13th, just last Friday, um, Zach started to aggregate all of the companies, the churches, opera companies, concert presenters that are paying their artists despite force majeure or in lieu of, or in, instead of, well, they're just really stepping up to the plate and taking care of their artists. And um, it was a small list to, be, to be, begin with, but it's growing and growing. And I think that the artist community is, is, Keeping tabs. I mean, like, I'm so glad that Zach is doing this really detailed, granular work about learning who these companies are and making sure that we document them, because those are the companies that we're going to want to work for when things get better again. Uh, and the companies that didn't take care of their artists, we we will remember you. So um, both both of these articles that I'm talking about the force majeure article from March 3rd and the more recent Unsung Heroes of COVID-19 published on March 13th now have skyrocketed to the, well, 20,000 plus uh, clicks and the most recent one, almost 15,000 clicks. And it's going to keep growing, uh, which is big for a a blog that just started, you know, a couple months ago. And um, like I said, he's been getting the attention of other media who don't have the time to do the work that he's doing. And I believe he spoke to the Washington Post today uh, for an interview with they're also trying to see how, um, you know, the, the COVID-19 is affecting all sorts of workers and documenting that. So Zach is quickly becoming, you know, our ambassador and um, speaking on behalf of this community. And like I said, doing really hard work. And poor guy, he himself has lost thousands and thousands of dollars of work. And I should just say this for people who don't really understand the singer economy. You know, we earn maybe, if we're lucky and we're a soloist, we earn maybe $1,000 per gig. And that usually means about a week plus of rehearsal. So every time you earn $1,000, 
you are de devoting a week of your life to that organization. And sometimes it, it means that you have to travel there and you know figure out your housing. So that eats into it, obviously. But um, April and March are huge months for us because of its proximity to uh, Easter. And a lot of organizations do, you know, Bach St. Matthew Passion or St. John Passion, and there's all sorts of church gigs, most of which, I mean, all of them have been canceled at this point. And the other big part of our economy is like the December, uh, you know, Christmas season with our messiahs and other, you know, church gigs. So a lot of people, you know, pack their schedules full in these months and then give themselves a little break in the summer. And there's obviously not a lot of work in January. So this is the most devastating time for a singer to lose work, especially since most of us um, don't pay our taxes quarterly like we should. You know, we sort of like wait until April and then we we pay a big lump. So we're losing our, you know, tax liability from 2019 at the exact same time that many contracts are being canceled. So it is truly devastating, even the the most uh you know the, the singers who earn the most money in this economy are devastated by this but people who are just you know just barely making it <laughs> so to speak even if they're professional even if they've been doing it for many years and just have learned to like work the year like this really they might not ever be able to come back from this it's so horrible it's so true i mean we have only just begun i think to see the the economic and the yeah. financial implications that we've only just we've really only just scratched the surface of like the health effects of this crisis and we've definitely yeah. only scratched the surface of the economic effects as it if for those people in our business let me just say something that's pretty obvious to us in the community but maybe not obvious for people who are fans of opera um i only got into administration marketing publicity in the most couple past five years or so but before i was working in restaurants and restaurants and teaching are the most common jobs that people have outside of their own singing. So those are three areas right now that are completely impacted by this crisis. So for somebody like me who has very few other skills besides waiting tables and teaching, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. I don't know really what I'm going to do. Um, I might start an OnlyFans page. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't imagine what that would look like. <laughs> anyway, um take care of yourself, George. Be be safe over there. Don't get too close to the mic. It's I, me we are filled and stocked with hand sanitizer and yeah. mic covers. I brought a pair of latex gloves when I touched the board. No. So I feel like I feel like I'm doing my thing. Well, I just want to let our audience know that we are thinking about you. We want to be a source of some kind of escape for you. So we, we are thinking about ways that we can put out content um, and keep our spirits up because, you know, we're bored. <laughs> <laughs> I've mopped my floor so many times at this point. So. All right, Oliver, appreciate the insights and the call so much and looking forward to being in the same room with you, but not super close, but being <laughs> creating this show with you again. Well, I won't see you for at least 14 days because you went to Northwestern. So. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. All right, my friend, be well. Talk to you later. One of the originals and one of the best, Oliver Camacho. I really, I really don't know what I would do without 
him. Uh, you know, part of the show tonight is is not going to be navel gazing and back padding, but it's. Uh, I'll tell you after the break. I'll tell you right after the break why I decided to come up here tonight in the midst of this pandemic. It's Opera Box Score, WNUR 89.3 FM. Please stick around. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. It's what you're listening to tonight. Opera Box Score on WNUR 89.3 FM. George Cedarquist, executive producer, band leader, hand washer of this whole opera box score theme. Doing the solo show tonight, kind of the only man in Lakeside studio, which is spotlessly clean, by the way. I don't think I've ever seen the Lakeside studio quite so shiny as it is tonight. My colleague, uh, Oliver Camacho, calling in and now calling on on line one, Weston Williams. How are you feeling there in the studio by yourself? I'm, I, dude. I have so much space right now. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even tell you. And buddy, uh, you know, just want to before we get you get you going and get your voice heard. Want to make sure that you're you're speaking on your handset, no headphones, no speaker, anything like that. All right, I'll give that a go. Let's see if that'll help us out a little bit. Just go straight into that handset, buddy. How is that? How's that going? That's way better. All right, excellent. Good to know. Hello. So Hi, it's good. Good, doing well here. Um, in the teaser before the break, I was going to tell our, our crowd why I decided to come up here and do the show tonight. Why bother? For me, two ways that I'm dealing with this crisis are A, getting out of the house and getting into fresh air, and B, doing something creative. And this show really fulfills both of those things. Absolutely. I think that. Um... During this time, especially for people who are working in the arts, this is a really great opportunity for people who are not of the arts to really look and find what the artists are doing, if that makes sense. Um, I know that I, of course, follow quite a few singers, musicians, performers uh, on social media, and see just lots of individuals working on projects that uh, are basically just for eyeballs, not even for pay, you know? Uh, it's a great way to sort of increase visibility uh, of those artists and kind of uh, still engage in that creative spirit. Uh, one of the things that a lot of opera houses are doing right now is uh, they're putting on free streams of opera on the internet. Uh, there are many houses that are making archive productions available online for streaming and by many i mean uh, quite a lot uh, i kind of a kind of like a little list here actually uh we have uh south in linden teatro reggio in torino uh teatro massimo di palermo the rossini festival the bayerische staatsoper the wiener staatsoper uh, and there's more that i missed i'm sure uh the metropolitan opera of course uh, is making things available uh, on their website as well. And we also have individual performers. Louis uh, Cidonato and Sergio Bacala did excerpts from uh, their canceled Verter at the Met uh, from her living room, which I think is just amazing. Yes, that was on Oliver's highlight, listening to uh, Joyce Cidonato and Peter Bacala doing that, it, that living room concert. It's just a 
remarkable thing, I think, to see these artists, you know, putting their work out there. Uh, you'll see uh, a lot of performances uh, over the past week um, where it's just, you know, they're playing to an empty audience, but they're broadcasting online in, in many ways, reaching, in theory, a larger audience than they would have even in the concert hall. Uh, and there's almost a certain, you know, selfless beauty in that, I think, uh, that uh, just sort of a, a selflessness that is really kind of uh, just what we need in times like these. Um, but there's also some other pro uh, projects I want to kind of highlight. Uh, there's uh, Oliver pointed me towards uh, Adam Marks, uh, who is posting one a one-page recording uh, composition uh, thing. Basically, what you do if you're a composer, you write a single page of something uh, for him to play, and he will record it for you and post it on uh, YouTube and Facebook. You can find that on the Facebook page, One Page Pieces. Um, that's something I highly recommend checking out. I would also say to any of our listeners, if there are any projects like this happening in your radar, um, let us know, and we'll... Uh, talk about them on a listener mailbag over the next couple of weeks. I love this idea from Adam Marks, the one-page recordings. And again, you can find that on the Facebook page, one-page pieces. As Weston says, if you do have out there, if you do have these other creative ideas that are suddenly coming to light, let us know about them. You can tweet us at Opera Box Score. Email, of course, a great way to get to us, too. OperaBoxScore at gmail.com. Weston, I want to I talk about financials a little bit with you. And, yes. um, you know, Oliver mentioned it on earlier on in the show, the Zach Finkelstein articles that he's been writing recently. Those have gotten a lot of coverage right now in some pretty big press outlets. Talk to me about kind of like, where are you sitting financially uh, with this, all these cancellations? Well, me personally, I am, you know, <laughs> doing my own thing, but, uh, Essentially, every performer I know uh, is currently kind of feeling things out, you know. Mm. Uh, and there are one of those things where a, a lot of the support I see comes through, through like, um, uh, crowdfunding on a very local level. Uh, there's lots of GoFundMe pages popping up. Uh, there's lots of uh, 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 people, you know, asking for help and, uh, and getting it. Uh, I think there are places to look. Uh, if you are someone who uh, is listening to our show and who still has uh, a job or money, <laughs> uh, I would recommend that they look in on any artist friends they might have uh, and just see if they need anything. Um, but there's other things you can do that are perhaps a little more direct or if you don't have any artist friends specifically. Uh, number one, if you have concerts uh, tickets, opera tickets, theater tickets, um, consider donating them. Uh, this is one of those things that, uh, you know, even if your ticket is relatively inexpensive, a small refund for you multiplied over the course of an entire audience is extremely damaging to companies uh, in the long run who are trying to make it through a very lean period. Uh, another thing I'd recommend is uh, looking for, uh, as I said, those collective sort of crowdfunding initiatives in your area. 
if you can't find anything, uh, I would recommend looking up uh, the website COVID-19, that's one nine, the numbers, COVID-19 Freelance Arts Resource wordpress.com. We'll have that on our website, of course. This is uh, this contains uh, sort of an aggregated information about emergency funding for freelancers, uh, lots of uh, updated information about legal advocacy concerning pay and other things like that, and uh, general preparedness resources as well. Uh, if you can't, you know, donate to any of these sort of uh, funds or anything consider sharing that website or whenever you come across uh, uh, something like that, just uh, share on social media and just let it, you know, kind of uh, go out there. Maybe someone who has uh, the money, the, the ability to help, even if you don't, will be able to. And I think that we've seen a lot already of our coming together and helping each other. And uh, there's really been some nice sort of stories coming out of this. Um, I would also say I, I do want to sort of push this discussion a little bit into the future um, because obviously with this whole situation comes economic worries in the sort of financial sector, uh, do you know what I mean, um, where you have a lot of wealthy donors, big ticket donors who are going to be skittish to step in after this because of market volatility, uh, loss of, uh, uh, of liquid assets, and so forth. Uh, and I think this has been a, kind of a wake-up call for a lot of opera companies and theater companies about uh, trying to find alternate ways of funding uh, the arts. Uh, because so many opera companies are so dependent on individual wealthy donors, and I think this is going to be something that is thrown into sharp relief by this whole crisis and something that I think merits some discussion going forward about how we can, uh, as an art form, wean ourselves off of that into more sustainable economic practices that allow us to be a little bit more uh, versatile in how we uh, make our income as artists and uh, performers. I think there's another knock-on effect as well for those, um, you know, those older audience members, which I'll get to, you know, after I get you off the line. Weston, before I let you go, tell me how heartbroken are you about the cancellation of the ring cycle here at Lyric Opera of Chicago? George, I am in mourning. <laughs> I, I, I was just like sitting, I got the news, I was expecting it, I knew it was coming, and then I saw that Facebook post go up, and I was like, oh. Uh, well, because uh, for a while it looked like actually it wasn't going to be canceled. Like the dates might have just about worked out, and then you know at the last second it it was not to be. Right. It was it was so close, and um, I, I'll be very interested uh, to see what they do about that going forward. Because I would imagine that uh, this Demerong obviously has never been shown in this production. So there's a lot of incentive for them to bring it back just from a cost-saving standpoint because they already have all the stuff basically ready to go. So I would expect that we will get to see Goethe Demerung at least, uh, perhaps next season or the next, but we might have missed out on the fall cycle for quite a while. Yeah. 
It's true. It's true. Weston Williams calling in remotely. Buddy, so great to hear your voice. Glad you're able to, to be part of the show tonight. Oh, thank you so much, George. It's so great to call in. It's weird to be on this side of the microphone. I know. It's <laughs> nice. It's a good experience for you, actually. I'm looking forward to, to doing this show again with you, maybe not in the same space. Maybe we'll put you in the interview room on the, the other side of that thick glass wall here in the Lakeside <laughs> studio. But um, hang in, my friend, and be well. Thank you. You too, George. Right. Ciao. Topper box score in WNUR 89.3 FM. George Cedarquist running solo here tonight in the Lakeside studio, joined by Oliver Camacho earlier, Weston Williams just there, and uh, Matt Cummings scheduled to come on at 9.40 or so. I mentioned earlier the idea of the sort of typical opera patron being older, right? Being in their 60s and their 70s. Weston makes the point, are they going to be gun-shy to give knowing that the finances, not of opera, but the finances of just our country are wrecked post-COVID-19? My take is this, is that we're living in this irrevocable moment of change right now. Right, I think we can all agree that when this is said and done, if it is ever done, if we ever come to that moment, that the world is not going to be the same. And, and my question is, is like, how are we going to interact as human beings? Is touch going to be a thing of the past? Is standing in a crowded rock venue going to be a thing of the past? Is sitting in a crowded opera house going to be a thing of the past? How are we going to relate physically, spatially to other human beings? And how long is it going to be for us to recover from that? Especially if you are of a certain age, if you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, where you intersect with both loving this art form and keeping it going, let's be honest, and are highly susceptible to these contagious viruses. Who, who's going to go, right? And is this something that needs to now inspire us to like continue to search for a younger audience? Do we need to redefine how we're going to experience the performing arts in general? These are the questions that, that I wrestle with. And look, human beings need touch. That's the bottom line, you know? Um... I wonder about this. I wonder about that a lot. We're going to step aside for one second. When we get back, Matt Cummings calls in to America's Talk Radio Show about operettes on WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1, Evanston, Chicago. Opera class. Sports radio crass. This is Opera Box Score. That's what you're listening to tonight at George Cedarquist here on Opera Box Score. It's America's Talk Radio Show about opera on Twitter at Opera Box Score. You can always email us, operaboxscore at gmail.com and the website, operaboxscore.com. A lot of the links about what we are talking about tonight on that website. A couple surprises as well that I posted up there. A great map of Europe which shows in color gradations, which countries have limited the attendance 
of their opera houses. I, I'm not doing it justice. A picture is worth a thousand words. You want to check that out on operaboxscore.com. We were talking about the finances of opera earlier, how we're just beginning to scratch the surface of how so many artists in this business are out of pocket, out of luck. A colleague of mine spoke about this crisis as having a very long-term effect on the industry at large, and I'm going to get to that in one second. We're going to get Matt Cummings on the line with us. Matt Cummings, are you there? I'm here, George. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. How are you doing? You know, we're all hanging in there. <laughs> it's a it's going to be a, a wild roller coaster for the next couple of weeks and, you know, honestly, probably months. Uh, everyone is constantly having to change course in the face of a rapidly evolving obstacle using last week's data. So, you know, when has that ever been a problem before? <laughs> uh, that, was, that, was, that was beautifully so, put. What's, let, let me ask you first, buddy. Like, what is buoying your spirits and kind of keeping you positive at the moment? You know, it's it's a combination of the fact that um, this pandemic has really underlined just how much people really do rely on each other. I've already had a number of, like, quick phone conversations and text conversations and, and being able to use technology to keep in touch with friends and colleagues and people who um, are all going through a difficult time together. And just being reminded of that shared experience can really help, even though it doesn't do anything to solve the immediate problem of what we are going through in our day-to-day -day lives. It doesn't change any of the facts of the news. It doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't, you know, get people contracts back, but it does help. Um, it does help underline, you know, what we're all doing this for. Yeah. Um, some, some good news before, before I jump on is that uh, I do want to reach out and, and, and make sure I put out there to any of my, um, artist colleagues who are working in Illinois that the Department of um, the, the Illinois Unemployment Insurance had they have changed the way that they are handling those applications due to COVID-19 and people's work situations. So if you're listening to this and you are in Illinois and you're out of work because of uh, because of this pandemic, definitely go check out what resources the government has for you and and see if you can put your own tax dollars to work. Uh, in a crisis like this, I can't speak to other states, but you know, people are there. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There may there may be, and some of that light can come from the fact that uh, a handful of really spectacular arts organizations with histories of high quality performances uh, that that are usually streamed behind uh, very very strict and stringent paywalls are doing their part in this time to, to share in the humanity by making either some or all of their performances available without the subscription fees. And so what's uh, on your, your watching list and your listening list for that? Just, just since I found out about these, I, I was going through some of the catalogs to see what I could find. Uh, the, the big ones for me would be the Berlin Philharmonic. Their, their uh, digital concert hall is going to be the only concert hall for, for the foreseeable future. And some highlights from a from a vocal perspective that I happened upon are uh, Mahler three concert with Alina Garancha as the mezzo soloist, uh, a Peter Sellers directed Saint John Passion that that features uh, a stellar cast including Magdalena Kojina and Andrew Staples as two of the soloists, uh, a hand 
a handful of other recorded concert operas like Bluebeard's Castle. I think I saw a Tosca on there. Uh, and that was just from, from browsing for a couple minutes. There were so many concerts available there. Uh, two, some of the other opera companies are, are not, uh, even though they're, they're archived, they're not going to be open for, for browsing in the same way. We've got Vienna State Opera and the Metropolitan Opera having a nightly or daily stream uh, that's either available live or uh, on demand within a window. I think Vienna's is available for 24 hours after the stream ends. Uh, and some highlights that I was seeing there uh, was Peter Edbush's Three Sisters, which is a real rarity. Uh, that's going to be streamed on Tuesday the 17th, if you're listening live. Uh, they're also going to be chipping away at a full ring cycle this month, and especially if you, you were planning on coming to Chicago to, to see our ring, there's, there's a consolation prize for you. I know I'm going to be checking back next week to listen to uh, the Cenerentola that up-and-coming conductor Speranza Scapucci is going to be conducting. Uh, there's also Queen Queen Sandra Radvanovsky's Tosca on 323, uh, and the elusive Dorothea Richmond's Countess in uh, a well-cast marriage of Figaro that's going to be next Friday on the 27th. Uh, another one that's, that's piquing my interest is the, the Rossini Opera Festival. Yeah, I'm a uh, Oliver and I are the resident Rossini fans on this podcast, uh, but they're they're streaming a handful of rarities throughout the month, and I uh, th- these are operas that are kind of actually hard to find a good recording of. So, but the Rossini Opera Festival in Pesaro, I'm sure, puts on a great show. So that's that's my that's my corner of recommendations, buddy. Your viewing list is like a mile long. It's like if there was a nuclear winter, we would find you like five years later, just happy as a clam, eating popcorn and just watching. <laughs> you know, it's better than it's better than not having them. It, and if there's a there's a bright side, there's more content out there that you that you could ever possibly of course find time for. Yes, yes. And now we have more time than we usually know what to do with. So. That's absolutely uh. true. That's absolutely true. Um, if we go back to the two-minute drill a little bit, which is what we started the show with, um, something, two things that really stuck out to me was, first of all, the Bavarian State Opera announcing its season within the last I mean, hours. Yeah, optimism is uh, optimism is something, and we we do know it. We do know that this is. You know, I mean, as as little as we do know right now. Yeah. Uh, planning for we planning for the future can't totally be put on hold, and that that kind of flexibility to to change in the moment is going to be uh, really important for for all organizations. I'm I don't envy their uh, their PR team who is having to roll this out in in live roll this out live when everyone else is uh, kind of going to scoop their headlines. Exactly. And then similarly, the other surprising thing was the Royal Opera House and English National Opera both announcing just earlier today that they are closing their venues until further notice. We don't know uh, how long that's going to be. Uh, we we don't know sort of what the, what the plan is long term. I mean, how surprised were you that this announcement comes through just today? I, I, I'm not surprised because it it speaks to the real 
that's one of the biggest difficulties about this this pandemic is that um, things are changing so fast that when you're looking at numbers that are even a couple of days old, they don't give you a good picture of what is going on. Uh, and uh, it it what can seem like an overreaction one day is absolutely evidently necessary even 12 or 24 hours later. Yeah. Uh, just today, the, the shifting guidelines about what is advisable in terms of contact with other people, uh, it, it really makes anything that we talked about on a previous episode about this just seem quaint by comparison. Yeah. Uh, and to, to there, I'm of two minds about, you know, the time frames that people are, are putting out here. On the one hand, uh, to close things week by week, it, it, it looks it looks optimistic. It, it, it makes it seem maybe not quite so bad, but the question is really going to be like, is this turning the temperature up on the frog uh, degree by degree? Yeah. Or, and and would, we be, would we be better to rip the Band-Aid off all at once and just admit that we don't know when this is coming back online? Well, and and I, th- I, think, go ahead. I think there's been a variety of uh, approaches to that of make, you know, whether or not we're talking about the fact that this is probably going to last more than two weeks or whether we are going to keep the blindfold on for a little bit longer and and look toward the end of March as, as a, a big change. I'm, I'm not optimistic that it will be. I think it's going to take longer than that, honestly. I, but. Think, I think so, too. And I think you saw just in Chicago alone arts organizations, not just in opera, but in the performing arts as a whole, wrestling with these very questions, right? Like everything is starting to go down Wednesday, Thursday of last week. And some companies are pushing ahead with their weekend performances of, of, you know, Friday, Saturday shows. Um, You know, some went ahead and did those shows. Others canceled at the last second. But, you know, by Friday, the, the recommendations were 250 people. And yeah. now it's 10. That yeah. was two days ago. I know. I know. 48 hours later. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, we always love to get a little bit of music on the show. Teresa Berganza, of course, turning 85 today. I, I think you had a track. Keep that her you safe. To... Keep her out of, keep, keep her away from any carriers. <laughs> treasure Teresa Berganza. Uh, yeah, I, I, I picked a clip from her uh, studio recording of Cenerentola with Claudio Valdo as the conductor. Uh, and this is the very end of the final aria in that opera, the Nom Tumesta, because I think we could all use a, a reminder that of, about no more sadness. Fantastic. All right, Matt, we'll let you sign off there. Uh, thinking of you, buddy. Looking forward to seeing you, not too closely. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll play this track out. Thank you, sir. Be well. Have a good one. Text yeah. your friends, everybody. Keep keep in touch. It's good advice from Matt Cummings. A little bit of music to get us into the final segment of the show.
vicino perché tremar perché tremar perché a questo segno a questo segno
Good call, bad call on Opera Box Score. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight on America's Talk radio show about opera, Opera Box Score. Listening just there to a performance of Teresa Berganza singing a aria from Rossini's Cenerentola Nacqui al Affanno. That was uh, suggested by Matt Cummings. Good call, bad calls, the way we always wrap up our shows. And uh, Oliver recommending Christopher Lowry's performance from Handel's Arminio. That's available from the international Handa Festspiele in Göttingen on NDR Kultur. That's a mouthful. Try saying that after a couple gin and tonics. Thanks again for hanging out with us tonight on the show. Nothing else to recommend, of course, because all the live performances are closed. That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk Radio Show about opera. General managers at WNUR are Henry Moskal and Somal Songvi. Our announcer is Norm Waddell at VoxerShorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra with opera statistics and on-this-day content from OperaBase.com. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts. On Twitter, we're at Opera Box Score. The podcast version of our show is available wherever you get your pods. Creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For Matt Cummings and Weston Williams, and even for Ashley Hardgrave, who, although was not on the show, is in our hearts, of course. She uh, let me know earlier this week that she wrote, Okay, guys, I can't be on the show because I have a sinus infection. I swear to God, it's not coronavirus. Hoping that Ashley gets well from that sinus infection. I'm George Cedarquist asking you to continue the conversation about opera for at least 20 seconds while you wash your hands. We are back Monday, March 23, 9 p.m. Central. More opera news, more hot takes, but less panic. Here's hoping. Join us. This is WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1, Evanston, Chicago. Chicago Sound Experiment. <laughs>